Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally a polder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And we are going to be talking about three issues today. You know why, Connor? Why? Because the rule of threes. Oh, a friend sure. of mine, Mark Marinella, has actually written a bit, big presentation PowerPoint. It's it's the three bears and uh, beginning, middle, and end. Sure. Three acts to People a player. People love threes. Yeah. So, and we have three uh, three parts to the, the podcast here. We've got the, the famed A block, the fabled B block, and the not-so-famed C blocks, the three parts. And in um, in each block, we're going to be addressing one of three topics. First topic, Bill Cosby, free? Are you kidding? Yeah. Was this right? Topic two, Supreme Court weighs in on voting rights. They, they're they back to their pattern, 6-3 conservative liberal. Enough mm-hmm. of this, 9-0 unanimous. That was just people's heads were exploding when right. all nine of them, you know, can you imagine Alito and Sotomayor square dancing together? They happy? got together and said, puppies are good. Yeah. And, and for a little while, there were some liberal decisions, 5-4, because Kavanaugh and Roberts joined the three liberals. Now we're, we're back to the default setting yep. on voting rights. And third and finally, uh, Trump's company indicted, Weisselberg, the CFO, indicted. Will this lead uh, to a wormhole of events uh, concluding with Donald Trump sitting in a jail cell? Uh, sharing, it's going to be a long wormhole. Sharing some spam with Rudy Giuliani. Uh, yeah, well, who knows? Uh, we the thing is, they they produced a couple of million pieces of paper um, that the Trump folks did because of the Supreme Court decision several months ago, and who knows what's at the bottom of that pile. So the, those are the three topics. But consistent with our um, approach in our final block, the not so fabled C block, we're, we're going to get into some human interest stories. Three of them, Connor. Three stories. Uh, now these aren't about lawyers, but because lawyers, by and large, are human, the stories I think are relevant. <laughs> Too, too many lawyers. Okay. We're going to talk about a man who threatened to blow up a McDonald's because they forgot to give him dipping sauce. Sure. We're going to get into a miracle cure for obesity and uh, hint, spoiler alert, it involves magnets. Oh, good. And finally, two New Zealand nude sunbathers have the worst day ever. Oh, so if that's God. not enough to make you want to stick around for the C block, I don't know what is. But let's kick things off with a really a pretty stunning turn of events. Bill Cosby, free at last, free at last. So uh, I think maybe the tea leaves could have been read uh, by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's uh, hearing uh, several months ago because, you know, justices don't always signal what they're going to do. But they they were peppering the prosecution with uh, some pretty tough questions. Yeah. So maybe this should not have been a, sh- a shock. But, but I think it did uh, catch people by surprise. So the background, of course, is... Bill Cosby is accused of really, really bad stuff from sexual assault to rape to drugging and so on by about 60 women. It's so many that we don't even have a number, really. Yeah. Which is ballpark, ballpark 60, yeah. It doesn't really matter. Not the kind of ballpark you'd want to visit. No. <laughs> no, whatever. 55, 65. So, yeah. and Me Too movement, of course, is here. And he, for a while, it's been kind of beneath the surface that, that he was a bad guy in this respect. But when the Me Too movement here. As with everything. Yeah. 30 Rock was ahead of it. Oh, you're, you're 10 right. years you're before right. Me Too, 
they're making Bill Cosby jokes about how he's sexually assaulting people. Yeah. And, and then this comedian. It's Hannibal known Lecter. in Hollywood, but no one does anything about it. Wasn't it Hannibal Lecter, the Hannibal comedian? Burris. Oh, yeah. I knew it was, it was a Hannibal in there. Yeah. He, he started going off on Bill Cosby mm-hmm. several years and ago. And went viral. Yeah. The self-righteous guy moralizing. Well, everybody knows he's a rapist. Now, there's a lawsuit right there. Yeah. Except maybe not now. Truth is a defense, turns out. So anyway, bottom line is he off he goes to prison after being convicted. Andrea Constand, the, uh, the basketball coach, player, who's a friend of his there at Temple University in Philadelphia. She uh, she waited a year uh, after the assault, and uh, a lot of people came to her defense and said, "Hey, you know, don't judge her. This you know, yeah. people process things in different ways. Yeah. The fact that she waited a year doesn't mean it didn't happen. It yeah. didn't happen. But she did wait a year, and she also oh invited uh, her par- parents to go with her uh, months after the assault up to Canada to watch Bill Cosby uh, do a comedy concert, and she gave him a gift and so on. She did change her story in various respects. These these facts were pointed out by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court in the decision issued this past week. Right. But um, that really wasn't the nuclear core of the decision. The decision uh, had at its core the concept that a deal is a deal. Right. So that the district attorney way back in 2005 went to Bill Cosby and said, hey, uh, Bill, um, Ms. Constand here is making these allegations against you and uh, we could prosecute you. Right. But here's the deal. We know that she wants to file a civil lawsuit. And we know that if the prosecution sort of Damocles is hanging over your head, you can take the fifth and you won't be deposed and it'll mess up the lawsuit and delay it and so on. Here's the deal, Bill. We won't prosecute you if you give deposition testimony and proceed with her lawsuit. Right. And Bill said, "Uh, hey, 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 yeah. And then he gave deposition testimony and they said, oh, Mr. Cosby, uh, you use drugs with women or... Well, yeah, he said, I would use quaaludes to get gals in bed. What else do you want to know? Uh, Are we done here? I've got a concert to give. Right. And that testimony was huge at his criminal trial. Right. Pennsylvania Supreme Court didn't like that, at least four out of the seven of them. They said, um, you know, this wasn't fair. A deal is a deal. Uh, You agree with the court? And were you surprised, Connor? So this is a very complicated case. I thought I made it pretty simple. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you very much. The... Um, Montgomery County District Attorney's Office back in 2016 said that this non-prosecution agreement is a contract, right, that mm-hmm. we've you know, agreed to. I will do X, you will do Y. Usually contracts are I will do X for money. It's kind of weird always. to refer to it as a contract, though. Right. Maybe it's a promise. It's, right. a, it's an arrangement. But he's going to do one thing and promise yeah. in exchange for consideration. On the other hand, illegally, okay. we're talking contract. And that's the weirdness of it is that we know that's strange. It, you wouldn't think that you're you know, signing a contract with the cops mm-hmm. or the DA. And the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office said, yeah, this isn't uh, a, a the right way to do this. This is really a grant of immunity. And there's a specific statutory process, a law passed by the Pennsylvania legislature, I believe, that says you only get grant of immunity and thus immunity from prosecution under certain circumstances if you do certain things. And therefore, your contract that you had is unenforceable and we're not going to honor it and we're going to prosecute you. And then they do prosecute him. And so this is a the the, the argument that the defense has been making for years is that this was a bait and switch. Yeah, it was that technicality, the, a gotcha. It's yeah, just not fair. That he acted under, you know, 
a sincerely held and an honest belief that he would be immune from prosecution if he gave information right. in this case. And there's some element of credibility to, I mean, there's obviously an element of credibility to he did this because it looked like a great deal for him. But it, there's some element of credibility to maybe she just didn't need, you know, Andrea, Andrea Constance didn't need this uh, criminal prosecution to go forward. She was interested in the, the civil case going And she, forward. in fact, settled for $3.4 million. Right. And so that is, you know, when we look at this and we say we compensate victims of, of these things uh, differently, one form of compensation may be seeing Bill Cosby rot in prison. Another form of compensation is monetary damages. Mm -hmm. And so people might want to put those on some sort of scales of justice and say one's more important than the other. But I don't think there's any reasonable argument to be made that there's any actual conclusion that one is better than the other or more important than the other or whatever, even societally broadly. In this case, though, because we have 60 women, we only have one person benefiting from the civil case, but we have 60 people benefiting from seeing well, Bill Cosby rotting behind Well, you have 60 people making way. allegations, right. and, and I, I know none of them uh, uh, actually were involved in criminal prosecutions right. against him. As to civil suits, I'm, I'm sure there have been a bunch of them floating around. I don't know how many of them may have been settled or may have gone to judgment. But, but the implication of this one agreement with the prosecutor where he gets effectively would have gotten effectively immunity from all criminal prosecution might have barred all of these women from seeking, you know, to be part of criminal prosecution against him if they had come forward. And that is a dangerous implication. Now, I don't know exactly what the terms of that secret well, the agreement deal, was. The deal wouldn't have affected any of the other allegations. So would it? Why not? Well, because it was a specific deal. Bill, we will not prosecute you as to Andrea Constan's allegations if you will give a depot in her case. I think that was the deal. And so in that sense, the, the other women may not have been involved. You know, a weird twist, Connor, to me was a, a conclusion concurring opinion, it was concurring and dissenting, mm -hmm. by one of the three justices who didn't go along with the majority. And, and their point was this, hey, he should have a second trial now, but guess what, Bill? Because it's you, we will exclude the lewds. We will exclude the testimony about you giving quaaludes to ladies to get them into bed because we recognize you only gave that information right. in reliance on the non-prosecution yeah. agreement. This is a reasonable position to take in a case where nobody knows who Bill Cosby is. Right. Unfortunately, now that the zeitgeist of the entire country and much of the world is that the kids say the darndest things host is a quaalude passing rapist, there may not be a way to exclude that specific chunk of evidence the way the court would ordinarily What about to. Aboriginal tribesmen in Australia yeah. who haven't read the papers? We Maybe should, they could be on the we, jury. We could, we could go to Sentinel Island to the final untouched society on the face of the earth. We could convince them not to kill us when we arrive on the... Pterodactyls flying around. Right. We need to uh, we need to fight off the Indian and Sri Lankan governments that currently patrol the waters around Sentinel Island to protect them. We can them. take them. But we can take them, and we'll convince them that we just need 12. Well, we're going to disqualify a couple that might be biased yeah, against we'll you know, Bill. Four, or 14 just in 14 case. for some alternates. 14 Sentinelese Islanders, and we will teach them English. And then we will have a trial in which they are the only jurors. And I think it could work. <laughs> okay, so big picture, big picture. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy who uh, was Bill Cosby, who is 
very likely a bad dude and very likely should be in prison. I mean, he did go to prison, right, for these exact crimes. But he's also a guy who was very likely treated very unfairly by this prosecutor who screwed this whole thing up. Because the prosecutor and the DA and the cops right. and so everybody else Solomon-like really, solution. really wants to. Yeah, there, there is no Solomon-like solution where you, you know, cut Bill Cosby in half, although I'm not entirely opposed. Uh, but the, the real issue here is that we see in sharp relief the abuses of the criminal legal system and what it does to people and what it can do to people. And we also, in the same breath see the advantage one has in being a multimillionaire who can navigate this incredibly complicated and Byzantine and difficult uh, to survive system and come out on the other end currently a free man. And it's horrifying to see that we have multiple legal systems for different economic classes of people, that even Bill Cosby, with all his advantage, is going to be railroaded I and mean, not that he didn't do it he just they just you know broke the rules and, and jerked him around and lied to him and then broke their deals and this is happening to everybody who goes through the criminal legal system every person in this country as soon as they come within the ambit of this system as soon as they get snagged and, and scooped out of the population by pure luck and they end up in this situation. I mean, there are people out there committing crimes all the time and getting away with them. People, rich people, poor people, people in every state and city. So and the- yet moral luck d- generally and, you know, maybe some a bit of stupidity. But what are we all? We're all stupid. Um, allows them to be the one that gets scooped out and processed through the criminal legal system and put in pilloried and put up there as an example to the rest of us to stay in line. So this reminds me of the the uh, tweet tweet you sent to me from Lawboy Esquire. Yeah. Uh, He's great. I'm going to quote it right here. He, and it, it reminded me of Norm MacDonald doing a Saturday Night Live uh, weekend update, the, the same kind of style. So here's what Lawboy says. A lot of people are trying to understand why Bill Cosby is being released from prison. Uh, as an experienced attorney, I can explain. He's extremely, extremely rich. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one way to look at it. Final issue on Cosby. Uh, one issue the Supreme Court talked about, but specifically said, we're not addressing it. It's moot because we're letting him out because uh, a deal is a deal. But the issue that they didn't resolve was the fact that in the second Bill Cosby trial, the judge allowed a half a dozen women, in addition to Andrea Constand, to testify to say, oh, yes, over the last few decades, and I'm peering through the mists of time, he did the same thing to me. He drugged me, he had sex, he, he sexually abused me, and so on. And in general, you know, the principle is in a criminal case, you don't allow the jury to hear about these additional extraneous allegations. It's called character evidence. You all, you don't allow right. them to bring in their. You don't allow someone to bring somebody in and say he's a bad guy. Generally, he did this to me. He he kicked my dog. He's mean. Unless there's a modus operandi going on, right. a pattern and practice, a, a signature way you commit the crime. And a lot of people heard well. Isn't that kind of a signature? Bill Cosby plies people with quaaludes. Yeah. Then while they're asleep, he has sex with them. That's how. And so it's the very judge, signature and right. the judge went along. And the, this Supreme Court uh, did not address the issue. But yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, that might have been a viable defense, even apart from the. Yeah, we, deal we end up with a, a fundamental concept in uh, legal proceedings that evidence uh, can come in. Uh, if it's relevant, if it would tend to change the the outcome of of this litigation, um, criminal prosecution, whatever, 
But there is an exception for evidence that is more prejudicial than it is probative. Probative meaning uh, likely to affect the outcome, um, important to know. If something is very, 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 very prejudicial, but only a little bit probative, only a little bit likely to actually allow us to arrive at the truth better uh, than we would without that piece of evidence, then the court is going to exclude that evidence. For example, if you have a, um, a car accident and say uh, one guy runs into uh, another guy uh, or runs into a woman just to make them have different genders so I can refer to them more easily. Guy crashes into a woman um, and he's arrested for a DUI and woman uh, files a lawsuit against him and uh, says, uh, I'm hurt and you caused the accident and I have a million dollars in medical bills. If they go to trial and guy says, okay, yeah, yeah. I crashed into you. I get it. But I didn't crash into you very hard, and you seem fine, and I don't think I should have to pay you a million dollars because your medical bills are ridiculous. They, they don't make any sense. They're gibberish. They're, you, you didn't see the doctor for 10 years, and then the doctor said you're fine or something like that, and somehow you charged a million dollars. It makes no sense. Maybe you had another intervening injury or something. We, we want to have a trial about that. And so they go to trial and at court, uh, in court, you go to the judge as, as the lawyer for the, the drunk driver and you say, uh, judge, we would like to talk about the medical bills here. We're going to stipulate to liability. We're going to stipulate we caused the accident. Oh, yeah, he crashed into her for sure. His fault. Absolutely. And by the way, can we get what's called a motion in limine to exclude evidence uh, related to, that's only related to liability? Because we don't really want to talk about the fact that he was arrested for a drunk driving act, uh, uh, offense at the scene because the jury will hate us. Right. And it has nothing to do with her medical bills. If her medical bills are the result of fraud trying to, you know, get extra money for nothing, then that's what we're here to, to determine. And there's whether or not he was drunk when he crashed into her, which we're admitting he crashed into her. We don't have to put that information in front of the jury. And the other side will say, no, 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 it's probative. It's probative because uh, this sort of accident wouldn't have happened if not for the drunkenness. And then after the accident, um, maybe she was traumatized by seeing that he was drunk or something. Uh, but is there an amount of probativity there? It's like an infinitesimally small amount of probativity. Right. There's nothing going on. There's barely any relevance to what her possible injuries could be. But the prejudicial value is massive. And in here with Bill Cosby, if you can come to the conclusion with all the evidence of Andrea Constanza's allegations here, if you can say, you know, she's credible and maybe there are witnesses and maybe she told someone about it and maybe there's videotape and, uh, and audio tape and he admitted to it and all this stuff... It's we have a pretty strong case here. And the probative value of having another person come in and say he did the same thing to me. It doesn't mean it is a signature pattern of practice. I mean, you, you can have somebody does one one crime one time or doesn't and then maybe has also done that crime before committing one crime one time doesn't mean you yeah. will do it again. It's a tough call. You know, it, it can be difficult for judges to make the, the way the balance between probative value and prejudice. And you think back, for example, to the Phil Spector situation. Yeah. Phil Spector was the famous mu music producer. Uh, he was accused of shooting Lana Clarkson dead, mm -hmm. uh, waving a, a gun around while he was drunk. 
And in the first Phil Spector trial, the judge only allowed uh, testimony regarding Lana Clarkson. In the second trial, after a hung jury, sounds like Bill Cosby's situation. Yep. Then the judge says, I'm going to let about a half dozen women testify. And they all said the same thing. Over the last 20 years, yeah, I was on a date with Phil. He got drunk. He waved the gun at me. I'm lucky. I'm here. Lana was unlucky. That came in, and the court upheld the admissibility of that. So yeah. I mean, every, it, every situation is different. In the end... Is it a travesty of injustice that Bill Cosby walks free today? Probably. Is it also a travesty of justice that our criminal legal system abuses and jerks around defendants constantly, lies to them, claims that they get immunity for this, claims that the court won't do this, uh, the, the judges and the, the lawyers and the prosecutors and the cops, that they're, they're on your side and they lie to you and they manipulate you and they interrogate you for hours and hours and they get you to admit things, admit to things you didn't do. We get false confessions all the time. We get massive uh, sentences, over sentencing of people based on, you know, uh, that come from people admitting to things based on promises that are never, uh, you know, kept by by prosecutors and 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 uh, and cops. Yeah, that's also a travesty of justice. And in this, it, it's it comes from this bigger, broader concept of the in law of the, the fruit of the poisonous tree. When the cops do something wrong, we have to. The only remedy is to just let the criminal go. You 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 can't collect evidence in a way that infringes on somebody's constitutional rights. You can't break an agreement and then. Put them in jail, because if you do, then cops will just break every agreement. They won't even have a pretense of of of, of having believability They you have to have this fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. And it's very much a uh, uh, stems from the old adage that it's better to let uh, 100 guilty men go free than imprison one innocent. Right. In this case, we let everybody go free if the cops misbehave so that the cops don't misbehave and convict the innocent. And do I want Bill Cosby behind bars? Yeah, absolutely. Do I also want our criminal legal system to be a lot better than it currently is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so maybe this is what it takes. Horrifying. You're ineligible for the jury if he's ever brought up. On <laughs> I'm ineligible for any. You've all already jury. said you want him in prison. <laughs> Judge, listen to any podcast I've ever recorded, and you will, <laughs> you will yourself kick me off this tree. When we come back, we're going to talk about the voting rights decision out of the Supreme Court. But first, Connor is going to tell you how to avoid another travesty of justice, which would be if you didn't rate and subscribe to too many lawyers. Yeah, it's super easy. Just check us out on whatever podcast platform you use. That's probably Apple Podcasts, and on our Apple Podcasts page, uh, leave us a little review. Tell us how much you like us and uh, maybe recommend us to a friend uh, and leave us a star number review, whatever your platform uses, um, because everyone helps. And uh, honestly, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the Supreme Court wrapped up its term. Uh, we're still waiting to see if... Um, Sam, Supreme Court wrapped up American democracy. Pretty much done with that. It's always very, it very dramatic, you know, right around June 30. They yeah. just kick all the decisions out the door. Yeah. I, I think they're procrastinators. A lot of lawyers yeah, yeah, are. Yeah. And uh, all these big decisions. I mean, doesn't that kind of explain why all the big decisions get released in the last four or five days before July 1? Yeah, definitely. Also, I think they... they the court is so concerned with its legitimacy that there's no way that they don't take that into account when oh, they you think. you mean they hear people yelling, those bastards, and so they're concerned about their legitimacy? <laughs> A-J-A-B, all justices are bastards. Mm. They, they, I'm sure, uh, especially when the, the chief justice, who, you know, of course, pulls all the strings and orchestrates everything, um, 
probably decides, let's come out with a 9-0 decision early. Let's come out with one of our 5-4 decisions, but flip it to be 5-4 for liberal early. You know, get people, lull them into a false sense of security that maybe we're not crazy people. And then, oh, I don't know, you get uh, a bunch of non-procrastinating legal journalists who write wrap-up, end-of-term articles <laughs> summarizing everything um, a week ago or two weeks ago before the end of the term saying, wow, what an even-handed uh, panel that we've got now. And wow, they're really coming down with a lot of bipartisan decisions. And isn't that great? And I'm sure nothing will happen in You're, the last sound, slap my hands together, sound, get the dust off, and go on summer vacation. You, what did they do? You sound bitter about the fact that they haven't expanded the court to 29. Any day now. So, uh, Stephen Breyer, is uh, a justice who's uh, retired rumored <coughs> sorry be, i had a call uh, you know, thinking Retire. about retiring <clears throat> and um, he hasn't done it yet uh and probably he would have done it within the first couple of days after the end of the term but we shall see so the voting rights act um of 1965 a uh, huge civil rights legislation yep. uh, says among other things you just may not discriminate against people based on race in connection with voting and specifically there are two uh, important components to that one there is a component of the Civil Rights Act that says you cannot, uh, with racist intent, discriminate against uh, people based on race, obviously, uh, in their access to voting. And then there's another section, section two, that says, uh, well, hold on. We, we recognize that not every racist is willing to admit that they uh, are discriminating against people on the basis of race. In fact, you know, you might even say the majority of racists kind of keep it under wraps, right? That's a reasonable uh, assumption to make. And so as a result of that, because we recognize that reality, in 1965, the Congress said what we're going to do is we're going to say if there's a disproportionate impact on minority communities that predictably deprive them uh, of equal access to the ballot box, then we will recognize that that law is a violation of the Voting Rights Act, even if we don't have direct evidence that the person who wrote that law says, I am racist and I really hate black people, and that's why I'm I'm passing this law to try to rest, you yeah. know, change the hours in, at voting places. All right, so there, that's the, the great summary of the background. Now enter Arizona. Arizona passes a law several years ago with, with two parts at issue here. One part says, we don't like ballot harvesting, meaning we don't want third parties to go door to door and say, hey, folks, we understand you got an absentee ballot. <laughs> you don't have to walk that down to the post office. We'll do it for you. The Arizona legislature thought maybe there would be fraud resulting from that. The second thing the Arizona legislature said was, you know, if somebody wants to cast their ballot, we want them to go to the uh, polling place in their home precinct. We don't want them to go to the northeast corner of Arizona if they live down in Phoenix. And so these are our two elements of the law. So a lot of folks uh, thought that the, that was racist uh, and improper and it would minimize voting. And so they sued and it goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And by a 6-3 decision, the conservatives uh, win. Uh, Justice Alito wrote the opinion. And essentially he said... We, we just don't see a racist intent here. There's a legitimate desire to control fraud. Interestingly, they, they got so into the weeds, Connor, they got into the stats, and they said that we now know uh, how many people uh, don't vote in their right precinct. They vote out of their area, and it's 1% of people of color vote in the wrong precinct, and one half of 1% 
uh, of uh, white voters vote in the wrong county. Right. So and, that's called a disproportionate impact. It twice right. is likely to impact minorities. And Alito looked at those numbers and said, you know, they don't seem that significant. Half right. of a percent versus one percent. I don't understand percentages or numbers or how many people exist in the world. So half of a percent must be like half of one person, right? So, I'm Justice Alito and I'm a friggin' idiot. So your your thought is that any uh, any difference in the percentage of folks going to the wrong polling place, essentially, no, my, between people of color as opposed to white voters would not. justify a conclusion that this is a racist law? No, my conclusion, my my position is not that any percent difference of disproportionate, uh, disproportionate impact uh, is relevant. In fact, I don't know what my position would be. Is twice as many people being uh, uh, people of color being impacted compared to white people? Is that a slam dunk, obvious, easy case uh, like in this case? Yeah, absolutely. Slam dunk. Twice as many. That's pretty easy. But what what's the what's the line? Ten percent more, fifteen percent more, twenty percent more. I I don't know because you know it, that's a a tougher question to answer. But even the Voting Rights Act doesn't seek to answer that exact question of what does disproportionate impact mean. And I mean that is a valid question uh, for justices to uh, to approach since the court since the the Voting Rights Act is silent on that on that issue. What's not a valid thing for the the Supreme Court or any court to challenge about the Voting Rights Act is to just say, uh, we're going to rewrite it, which is what Alito does in his majority opinion that the six six conservative justices jump onto. They just rewrote Section 2 to say, look, as just as they did in Shelby County, things are different now. It's not 1965 anymore. We don't think racism matters. Uh, we are just completely out of touch with the reality of how, uh, you know, voting rights operates in most of America in 2021, which is to say that it is a massively fertile ground for gaining a partisan advantage uh, at the expense of people's civil rights. I mean, it is it is the Voting Rights Act is effectively dead letter at this point when when the when the Supreme Court says that we get to make the call that the Voting Rights Act is no longer necessary, even though Congress explicitly says here it's 1965. Obviously, racism is a massive issue, especially in politics right now. Here's all this objective evidence where they bring in all these experts to testify before they pass this law and put it into the congressional record. Look, this is why we're passing the law. It's because racism's real bad and it's screwing everything up for everybody. And so what we're going to do is we're going to recognize that not every racist is willing to to come out and say, I'm racist, that we need to look at the disproportionate impact that a law has on persons of color. And then now in 2021, the Supreme Court says, well, because racism is just not a big issue, basically Shelby County versus plus this one together, you can take those to, to mean racism, not a big issue now. Therefore, we get to ignore the congressional uh, conclusion that we need to use disproportionate impact to infer racist intent. Now, why exactly? Why exactly is that a logical conclusion for Mr. Alito and all the other conservative justices to jump on board with? What possible reason? Now, remember, the conservatives want us to use textualism. They want us to look at the words of the law and interpret the words of the law. And oh, by God, we just call balls and strikes. We're not partisan. We're not. We're totally objective. We just read the law and we interpret it and that we do the right thing. And, you know, sometimes there are conclusions I would love. I would love a more conservative conclusion. Sure, sure. But that's not what the law says the law says you got to use the words on the page of the law and they say disproportionate impact oh wait i didn't mean that 
The law is very clear. It's very explicit. Well, it's and it's very a huge obvious. issue because uh, in the last year, 14 states have passed 22 new laws regarding election procedures. There are 389 bills pending in 48 states. So uh, in spite of this 6-3 decision, you can bet that Biden's Department of Justice is going to be scrutinizing all of these new laws. Uh, and, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very healthy debate over whether you should have a, a photo ID requirement. Uh, I personally think that the, you should only be able to vote if you can look at eight pictures and tell how many of them have streetlights. <laughs> because doggone it, I, I don't think I'd be eligible. That's, I just that's, can't. That's important get, information to get. You know, I don't actually know what what justification would Biden's Department of Justice have to. I mean, the states are the ones enforcing the law, uh, the, the the laws that the state legislatures pass. The, Bi- the Biden Department well, of Justice. Same deal could, before. You're violating the Voting Rights Act. Well, yeah, but how could they push? How can they push a, a, a case through the the works and up to the Supreme Court when we're very, we have a very clear decision here that Section Two of of the Voting Rights Act is dead letter. That there's no such thing as disproportionate impact. Uh, creating the inference of racist intent that you have to have in order for a law. Well, they would disagree with you. They would say that there was no disproportionate impact uh, in this case. And I think Biden's DOJ is, is perfectly prepared to to go ahead and fight it. I mean, the uh, the lower courts agreed uh, with, uh, with the Democrat position on this. It just happened to be that the Supreme Court uh, came out uh, differently. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's company being indicted and his CFO. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So big news, uh, Mr. Weisselberg, the longtime chief financial officer of the Donald Trump empire, has been indicted for failing to pay taxes on fringe benefits like tuition for his grandkids, a free apartment, and a brand new car. Well, not necessarily not brand one. new, a yeah. leased car. Sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, the question is, after... The U.S. Supreme Court ruled against Trump uh, in February and allowed Cyrus Vance, the district attorney in Manhattan, to get over a million pages of documents, tax records, etc. The question is, I think on most people's minds, is there something in there that the prosecutors can take a look at and maybe get turbocharged with cooperation flipping by Weisselberg right. to bring Donald Trump down and send him through the legal wormhole into a prison cell? Because that's... That's really all course, anybody yeah. cares about. Right, I mean, Weisselberg, Weisselberg stuff. Yeah. You know, if he's a if he's a tax cheat, okay, so be it. I think most people look at the case and say, oh, he probably wouldn't have been treated this way if it weren't for the Trump connection. Right. It's like a it's like a mafia prosecution. It's a lot like a mafia prosecution, actually. <laughs> hmm, what are the odds of that? That Weisselberg is not important. Um, except for his value in taking down the Trump organization generally and Trump personally. So all of these things are are uh, Things that Weisselberg has probably done wrong, but they're not something that the Department of So does of that Justice, trouble you? Do you feel bad for Mr. Weisselberg that he's uh, gotten caught up into this vortex? I feel bad for everyone involved in the criminal legal system. I thought you were going to say everyone who's worked for 30 years for Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, I, I feel yeah. terrible for them. <laughs> what a, yeah. Uh, what a rough life to collect all of that illegal money. Um, <laughs> but just because I feel Is it bad. Is worth it to be yelled at every day by Donald Trump? Every day. Oh, my God. I'm sure he took some vacations. Um, (laughs) Do I feel bad for people caught up in our criminal legal system? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do I feel uh, sympathy for every single person who is out there and has committed a crime? No. 
So, I mean, I can I can hold those two thoughts in my mind that the system is broken and also that Weisselberg is a crook. And I mean, is this going to lead to like the healing of the nation? I don't know. And I don't think so. I, I no, don't not think- the healing of the nation. But, you know, from from the standpoint, of a lot of people, a lot of Republicans, but and many Democrats, it would be great if Donald Trump were not in the mix in 2024. Agreed. And it looks I'm like the you. only way he's not going to be in the mix is if he's in Leavenworth. Yeah. I mean, and the only right. way he's going to be in Leavenworth is if there's something really, really bad that he did. Because let's face it, if they find evidence uh, on Trump of something along the lines of a Weisselberg, his grandchild uh, got free tuition and he didn't declare it on his taxes. There's no way, no way. that that's going to knock Donald Trump out because no people are going to see him as a martyr. Yep. Uh, people are going to, 75 million people voted for the guy. Yeah. You're going to have to have, I mean, you know, I know the old joke about seeing him shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, but it's going to have to be the tax equivalent of shooting somebody on Fifth Avenue. I mean, that- he was involved in money laundering. He's, you know, all, you know, videotape of him doing some sort of uh, crooked uh, Russian mafia deal. That's, and, and if, that's the, if right. Cyrus Vance finds it, great, off off Donald Trump goes. But if, if he doesn't, then what's the point of all this? I mean, you're right. I, I think that the, the tragic reality is that when you're that rich and powerful and that politically connected and that representative of a political movement, that you can't go after that person uh, for valid crimes that they have done if they just if they can be in any way sidelined. The, the trouble is that those no matter what those crimes are. There is an entire conservative media ecosystem that will instantly begin sidelining and those crimes as minor as the equivalent of Weisselberg's, you know, grandkids uh, getting some sort of fringe <laughs> benefit. No matter what it is, if right. it says Trump personally went to Russia and carried a briefcase full of money stained with human blood across international borders into the U.S. for some reason to hand to a different Russian mobster and we have it on tape, there will be a conservative media machine that says, oh my God, they want to throw Trump in prison for carrying a briefcase. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no way they won't. There's no way out of this situation. We absolutely will. We will be faced with a massive media ecosystem that its entire goal becomes to legitimize and destigmatize whatever it is that Trump did in terms of financial crimes. Because guess what? Trump could go out and have a press conference where he said, I stole $100 million of American taxpayer money when I was in the White House. I was in the, the Oval Office and I signed a bill and the bill said, I want to save all the children. And actually, it deposited $100 million of of taxpayer money into my personal bank account, and then I spent it on hookers and blow. And And guess what the American people would say? The American Trump voter would say, hallelujah. At least the money's not available to Democrats. Yeah. Yes. We we finally have a winner. We finally have somebody who's going to make moves and can make things happen. And I'll tell you what, that money was just going to go get poured into a a, a hole. I don't know, getting poor people off drugs or something. Whatever. Who cares? This guy actually created jobs among strippers and, and, and drug dealers for, to get that cocaine. And I'll tell you what, he probably had a great time. And when I'm rich, I want to be able to do the same thing. And they will, more people will vote for Trump. And it's, this country is insane. I need to calm down. I need a minute. Well, heart I'll, I'll help you calm down because we are in the fabled C block and we're now about to talk human interest here. So, um, 
a man did threaten to blow up a McDonald's because they forgot to give him dipping sauce. Was He's the man like, named Donald Trump? Because no, this, um, we could get him on this. So his name is people, Rob, American people love McDonald's. Robert Goldwitzer Jr. Okay. Uh, from Iowa. He was arrested over the weekend for uh, threatening to blow up a McDonald's because workers forgot to add dipping sauce to his order. Uh, he is accused of calling in the explosive threat uh, after he ordered chicken McNuggets. And um, in addition to the bomb threat, oh, this is the terrible. He allegedly said over the phone he would punch a worker as well. So it gets even worse. Is that worse? Okay, sure. Yeah. So he's uh, fa- charged with a false report of explosive uh, or incendiary device. It's not clear if the punch was going to happen before or after the, the detonation of the bomb. I don't know. So so uh, he was uh, jailed, but then he was out on bond. Oh, that's disturbing news So because he's going to be hungry again very soon. Uh, his public defender has said the trauma of being named Goldwitzer led to his erratic behavior. Okay, At least that's a possible sure, defense. Yeah. Uh, topic two, um, great news, Connor. This is a wonderful news for mankind, a cure for oh, obesity. That's beautiful. And it involves magnets. Uh, United oh, Kingdom no. researchers have, UK researchers have invented a device that uses magnets to stop a person's jaw from opening enough to eat solid oh foods. Oh my God. Custom manufactured locking bolts fitted to the upper and lower back teeth. This is sounding more practical every second, yeah. isn't it? It's called an intraoral device that restricts one to a liquid diet. Lets- Why don't we just kill them? <laughs> Why don't we just kill fat people? Now, now that's ridiculous. They can't get fatter if they're dead. Unless you open your the, mouth. One, bolting their mouths shut? One-fifth of a centimeter uh, while using letting users breathe normally. This is so insane. It was tested on seven hefty women in New Zealand for two weeks. Uh, the women killed the researchers, but they <laughs> did lose weight. The average weight loss was 14 pounds or 5% of the body weight. Yet not eating food will do that. Mm-hmm. They noted occasional discomfort and said life in general was less satisfying. No Sh- way. Shocker. One cheated by consuming melted chocolate bars and carbonated drinks. Yeah. You can just suck on a milkshake all day long. Yeah, you fascinating. The purpose, yeah. They had trouble pronouncing some words with uh-huh. the magnets in their mouth and occasionally felt tense and embarrassed. That could cause... Interesting, tense and embarrassed. Stress eating. Yeah, at the, stress at, at the office. Sucking. Hey, Steve, uh, why is your mouth <laughs> wired shut? Oh, it's because my doctor doesn't understand human health in any way and just thinks that if I lose weight, I will be healthier. And it's a great excuse for him to not use his medical degree in any way. Sorry, I should start the... Oh, it's because my doctor doesn't <laughs> understand human health. Look, peep, we have an we have an obesity epidemic, a massive, incredible, unbelievable, over the top problem in this country and broadly the world, uh, where people's and so health, you're not being open minded about solutions, yeah, are you? People's health is being direly affected by the obesity epidemic, and guess what? Individuals being Punished and shamed and having their mouths bolted shut is not a solution for international corporation, mega corporations so stealing minded trillions of dollars in subsidies well, from in, countries. In fairness to your view, the tool was criticized online by some who likened it to a medieval torture device. Uh-huh. Well, literally, but okay. Yeah. Uh, it says here, in response to the backlash, uh, the defense, uh, to clarify the intention of the device is not intended as a quick or long-term weight loss tool. It, rather, it's aimed to assist people who need to undergo surgery and cannot have the surgery until they've lost weight. So maybe in that sense who knows it, it might be somewhat helpful yeah oh, the obesity epidemic is not the fault of people uh having weak willpower and uh being bad people uh or giving in the obesity epidemic is the result of a system of our entire society 
getting horrific low nutrition, high calorie food into people's mouths right. for an incredibly low price uh, that makes it impossible for healthy food to compete in our famed uh, capitalist open marketplace. And the fact that it is a lot cheaper to You're not funnel- contemplating a socialist paradise where our menus are dictated by the government, are you? Absolutely not. Oh, thank, I mean, you goodness. can change a lot of things in our society. How about we don't give hundreds of billions of dollars to to companies that own corn and corn farming procedures so that they can create horrifically bad for us syrup that becomes, you know, is disguised as human food. What if that we, we just ate consume? corn on the cob with no butter? That would, would, that that would be delicious. Be okay? Yeah. I mean, our whole food system across the entire world is dominated by these massively powerful multinational corporations that make trillions of dollars off of making us all unhealthy. And then just like the fossil fuel industry who makes billions and billions and billions of dollars off of destroying light, literally lighting the fi- the planet on fire uh, in order to power, uh, you know, crap. Uh, they turn around and they go, and what's your carbon footprint? Isn't it really your fault? Shouldn't we wire your jaw shut? How about I wire the jaw shut of the ExxonMobil executive so that they can't go talk to their senators and say, I won't give you millions and millions of dollars for your reelection unless you allow me to light more of the planet on fire. I'm wondering, How about you do the same for the corn industry executives who say I need billions and billions and billions of dollars in farm subsidies, the vast majority of which go to these massive corporations that run corn and wheat, which just turn into the syrups and high carb foods that are killing, killing millions of Americans every year via the obesity epidemic. Instead of looking at the individuals and saying, you know, if you were a better person, you wouldn't be so fat. I'm wondering, we're getting this magnet deal, Connor. Uh Uh, Wouldn't a determined study participant be able to thwart the device with a simple crowbar? Yeah. Yeah, I thought you'd agree with me. And speaking right. of weight issues, Kim Jong-un is less fat. Have you noticed that? The pictures are on the internet. I hope he's also healthier. There's great concern in North Korea over the fact Dear Leader has gone from really, really pudgy to just kind of pudgy. Maybe you got a personal trainer. North Koreans, uh, according to reports, are heartbroken by their leader's emaciated looks after his apparent weight loss mm-hmm. in a rare acknowledgement of foreign speculation about his image. Our people's hearts ached most when we saw Kim's emaciated looks, an unidentified man told KCTV, the state-run television network. Everyone says their tears are welling up in their eyes naturally, as as opposed to the tears from the tear gas employed to quell the anti-Kim protest. So recent images of the reclusive... There never was a protest, but yeah. And rotund leader appeared to show that the 37-year-old has lost a large amount of weight. Speculation about his health, of course, occurs. The 5'4 leader's face was noticeably thinner, and the band on his luxury watch is tighter. And boy, they're really watching him. Some observers estimate he may have lost up to 44 pounds. He was 308 pounds. So let me understand this. Noticeably thinner could be a little generous. According to my calculator, which was made in South, beep, South beep, Korea, beep, 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 308 minus 44 is 264 pounds. Now, at 5'4 and 264 pounds, I don't think the phrase noticeably thinner I mean, really applies. He's definitely so morbidly obese. Hey, here's the bad news, Connor. In North Korea, there, there's a magnet shortage, so they won't be able to use oh, the Oh, no. That's true. And the magnets they do have in North Korea, they're shorter and skinnier than the magnets in South Korea. So that's the bad news. 
Last human interest story, Connor, has to, it's the definition of a bad day. Okay. Uh, two folks fond of nude sunbathing, they hit the jackpot. Oh, right. They hit the jackpot, a beautiful remote beach on Australia's south yeah, coast. Yeah, you want to make imagine it remote. Yeah, for how, sure. Oh, yeah. What could go wrong? You're, the, the guys are enjoying their nude sunbathing day. What can go right? Well, Bambi went wrong. The two men were suddenly startled by a deer. Okay. And so they ran into a national park nearby and they got lost. Oh. So my by question. By a deer? Yeah, that's my first question. Did What's they, the big deal about Lyme, the deer? Why? disease? I don't maybe. Know. Maybe the deer was charging. <laughs> did did the deer, did he or she, I, I don't know what, how the deer identifies. We've got 54 genders on Facebook, so Just who knows what the dough. deer considers uh, him or herself to be. But anyway, uh, the... Apparently, the, the, they were frightened by the deer. So now they're lost in the Royal National Park, Ooh, trudging along. Royal. And, yes, and in escaping Killer Bambi, one of the guys did grab his backpack, so he was wearing his backpack. The other guy was partially clothed. I guess he was able to put, pull some shorts on. But their rescue did not mean the end of their trouble. They each received a ticket for $1,000 from the cops who rescued them for violating the Sydney, Australia area rules against local travel you can't because be, of the Delta variant down there. It's a big deal. You walking into national parks, especially. Practically naked. Yeah, naked. <sighs> just a backpack to cover your shame. So if you thought you had a bad day, just think about these two fellows. Chased by a deer, paying fines, mm-hmm. being naked. That's terrible. All right. I think we covered a lot of ground. We did. Uh, adhering There's to a lot of ground to cover this week. Rule of three. Absolutely. We'll see you next week on Too Many Lawyers. Mm-hmm.